If you did watch or if you didn't watch online, uh, Brent and Key, we kind of tag team for part of it with a video too. This series of Do You Hear What I Hear? You guys might know this song. We're not going to play it, but do you hear what I hear? I don't actually know the rest. Some of you could sing it, but one of the beautiful things that Brent shared at the beginning is that Peter had a moment when Jesus celebrated because he heard what Jesus had heard his daddy speak about him. And Jesus said, Peter, you didn't get that from people. You got that from my dad in heaven. And so Brent shared two weeks ago that we're designed to hear what Jesus hears, to hear what the father hears. And as sons and daughters, it's a part of the family inheritance to experience in real time the dialogue of heaven. David loved that. If you read the Psalms, just picture David on his harp with the sheep or in his cave or in his king quarters. And he's just like singing to Jesus. And Well, he didn't know Jesus, but singing to God the Father. And all of a sudden, he would hear the dialogue in heaven. And all of a sudden, the Lord said to my Lord, or this God said to God. And he didn't even fully understand because Yeshua, God hadn't come down into the word. But he'd be experiencing the dialogue, trialogue in heaven. And then he'd be like, okay, okay, the Lord said to my Lord, okay, you said that. He said this to the other Lord, and he's experiencing the Trinity real time and trying to put it into jams. Um, And that's where we get really good music, is when music is literally a manifestation of the eternal trialogue that's existed before all time. That's the best music you'll find on earth, is trialogue music real time of what God's releasing in a day or a moment onto earth. One of, the mus- one of the musicians in here said, oh my goodness. Some of you might not appreciate that as much as Evan, but I hear you. <laughs> um, amen. So, I don't know where I was, praise God. The message, yes, hearing. So, Brent and Kiwi were talking about, we hear through the word. Do you hear what I hear through the word of God? That's the written word. That's when the heavens are open and we experience the trialogue. The following week... They shared about, do you hear what I hear through experiences or parables or stories? Humanity is made up of stories. Their story was their house burned down, or not burned down, sorry. Their house had a fire. (laughs) Brent's like, don't say, their house had a fire. Maybe it felt like they burned down because they were out for a few months. But through the story, it was the word living in their life. But through the situations of our life, the Holy Spirit is pouring out and he's helping us to hear. So we hear through the word, we hear through stories and situations by the Spirit. What I want to talk about today, we're just going to look at two verses in particular. Do you hear what I hear through creation? Do you hear what I hear through creation? In Romans chapter 8, it says that all creation is groaning, which means you can actually hear it. Some cultures and ethnicities that carry this hear creation more oftentimes than we do. You think of native people, Native Americans. I know some of those things can be twisted. But because all of us came from Adam and then from Noah, some people groups carry a capacity to engage with God and creation in a way that some of us in the West don't. And here's a beautiful thing. All creation groans. And it's looking forward to when we 
experience the fullness of God through creation and rise up into taking dominion over all creation as humble servants. Creation saying, oh, get that. Romans 8 says we ourselves groan for that. The spirit inside of us groans, and then every molecule, atom, and everything else around us, triple threat groaning, oh, help us get it, God. (laughs) That's exciting. So this message is just one more step closer in helping us to get it. When Jesus comes back, you'll get it completely, so no striving, just step by step, and then when he comes back, boom, the full grandeur. So, Psalm 19 I might do three verses, I might do two, depending on how much I want to honor our time. <laughs> no, God, God honors our time. Psalm number 19. This is what it says, verse 1. For you that want to follow along, I won't have it on the screen, so you can just listen or follow along on your iPhones or Bibles. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the working of his hands. I love this line. Listen to this. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice is actually going out into all the earth. Their words are going out to the end of the world. Just want us to just take a step back today. Being from a Western culture and being from a culture that's been highly disconnected from the earth because of industrial revolution, all these things where we're able to in our work, in our hobbies, and so many things, many of us don't engage that much in sun time, especially during winter in Minnesota, (laughs) or in time where we're just in the earth and feeling and experiencing it. So we're one part of God's family, God's body. And in the West, we as a part of God's family, God wants to balance us and open us up to receive more of his conversation, even through nature, where for some of us that maybe has been more hard. I'm going to give some practical examples of what that looks like. We're not talking about like pagan worship or anything weird. We're just talking about God made a big household for us to play in. And if you haven't gone in the closet, the cupboards, all these different things, he's saying, come on, there's so much to discover. This is really important for Minnesotans who are going to be inside for a long time. <laughs> but this is also really important in this time and season where God is helping his church be less churchy and more kingdom. Okay? This message is a call for us to be less churchy, and I'll explain what that means, and more kingdom. I come from a family line. I'll share kind of some funny stories here. I come from a family line where, if you look back, I did ancestry with my great aunt and all these things, and I'm from like a line of preachers, okay? And they were like firebrand preachers, can't you tell? (laughs) And there was some really good stuff in there, but there was also uh, some religious stuff in there. And what I mean is, uh, as God started to go to hold of my life, I was, and I experienced his presence, I literally got wrecked for everything. I was like, if, if, if Jesus is real, and what I experienced was his presence, and that completely satisfied me, 
I'm going to rearrange every dimension of my life to just experience his presence all the time. Okay? That turned into be a big problem. Because the predominant ways that I knew how to experience his presence was reading the Bible, praying, and going to Christian ministry things. You know what that did to Danny? I didn't do other fun things. <laughs> and God understood because when I was working at my job, I didn't know how to enjoy the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that isn't stuck inside of a church building. <laughs> when I was playing sports with my friends, I didn't know how to experience his tangible presence, literally enjoying that moment so much that as I caught the ball, he wanted me to catch a revelation at the same moment that I caught the ball. And my soul, because of religious spirits and other things, had separated the secular and the spiritual. And I was no longer able to perceive and receive the omnipresent, the always there God who loved to move on me at any moment. And so Danny began to really idolate. I, I, I actually idolized the Bible. Have you ever done that? If you want to know what idolizing the Bible looks like, look up the Pharisees. <laughs> and Danny, in certain areas, really struggled with that. And I, you know, want to fast and pray and read the word because when I did do that, I would experience God's presence. I still do. But it was that my soul had the freedom to experience his presence in that. But when I had to go to my job Monday through Friday, it felt like suffering in a presenceless prison. If your job feels like a presenceless prison, God wants you when you're hammering in in a construction job, when you're taking out the garbage in your home, when you're changing a diaper, he wants the voice of the heavens and the earth, his voice through the heavens and the earth, to be able to pour into you just like in a worship set and just like when you read this word creation's groaning to be seen and recognized as God's conduit for his revelation to flow. First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. This this verse was like a Holy Spirit karate chop to religious spirits in me. And when I say religious spirits in me, that might sound like kind of a charismatic term. Religious spirits is just a way to articulate demonic spirits that predominantly use their time and their energy in order to entrap a human in connecting with God through certain religious ways or religious duties to the negation of the human's ability to connect with God in all of kingdom and all of creation. And I had a lot of those in operation in my life. So they hate this verse. The enemy <laughs> hates this verse. He really does. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command, this is Paul talking to his son Timothy, spiritual son Timothy. He's a lead, like a leader in a church or a kingdom community. 
Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. So we get that, right? Two ditches when you have money is to become proud thinking you're the one that got you the money, not recognizing that your time, your tools, your gifts, your tongue, your mouth, your heartbeat came from God. So he had a lot to do in helping you access creation's resources. Or you begin to put your hope in the wealth, which is begin, you begin to trust what you have versus the one whom you have who has everything and much more than you had in your hand. <laughs> because money's so uncertain. We all know this. You've been kind of on a roller coaster recently. So uncertain. But to put their hope in God, his mutual funds only increase. I have never once sown to please the Spirit and lost my investment. Ever. I have not once stored up my treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, thieves cannot break in and steal, and it has not once dipped on me. It has only multiplied, and the riches that I have forever for eternity is only growing. And so, God tells people to invest, to save. I'm not preaching a message against that. But as you're doing that into a fallen, broken world, and you're expressing dominion and kingdom, be very happy that your stuff is not uncertain because your hope is in God who's doing all that work. But to put their hope in God, and this is what I love about God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Let me say it again. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Sounds like an infomercial. Who wants to buy that? (laughs) This is Paul who suffered and understood difficulty in this age. This isn't a prosperity gospel that's just like, hey, everything's going to be good and here's your Ferrari, here's your yacht, all that. Basically what Paul is saying is, my son... Those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's what he told Timothy. But at the same time, he said, Timothy, while you're going persecution and not persecution, while you're hungry at certain times and well-fed, like Paul said in Philippians, know that the one who's seated on top of this creation is going to be constantly looking for opportunities to please you wherever you are all the time. Did you know that the greatest gift that you can give to your Father in heaven is to allow yourself, allow him to please you and to bless you? Let me just say that again. The best gift that you can give to your dad in heaven, your bridegroom Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who's the owner of your temple, all three of them, the best thing that a human being can give to them is to allow them to please you and to bless you. You can only serve them accurately 
sustainably and effectively to the degree that you allow them to bless you and please you. I spent a long time trying to please God in certain ways that took my time, energy, money, resources, affections away from being able to be pleased by God and to be blessed by God. Isn't that tricksy? You're trying to serve God by giving him something in a way that takes away his ability to love on and bless you and please you, which would then recycle back into you being able to give him so much more. If you're in that cycle, I want to encourage you, meditate on 1 Timothy 6.17 and invite the Lord to show you that everything he made and everything he richly gives to you is for your pleasure and your enjoyment of his personhood and your relationship with him. Romans chapter 1. Do you hear what I hear through creation? Romans chapter 1, if you're wanting to read along. Creation's a really tricksy thing. Not creation, but how the enemy relates to creation. God is the uncreated one. He created everything. And Satan, whom he created, said, I want to leave my positioning and my placement here. I want to ascend and become like God. That was what was in his heart. Okay? Listen carefully and even watch my hands. Satan is described as the father of lies. He said in his heart, I will ascend and I will become like God. I will leave my positioning in creation to experience something else. That's what was in his heart. The father of lies can only lie to you from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaketh. So every lie in existence is a lie based on causing you to relate wrongly to the uncreated one and then to take a place in creation and an experience outside of what he has for you. David said, your boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I'm just going to stay exactly where my dad has me. And I'm just going to receive all the blessings that he has for me. So whether it's in your job, in your marriage, in a friendship, wherever you might be, Satan loves to try to get you to feel like, I need to move on. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. God's love and blessing, which we're talking about, is always right where you are. Now, he might call you out like Abraham, but if he's calling you out of something... He's first calling you to receive something into where you are. God spoke to Abraham while he was in a place, and that word brought him out. 
Some of us, the enemy's saying, you got to get a new job. You got to do this. You got to spend more time with God. You got to grow in this. You got to do this. And the Lord's saying, no, 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 no. The love and the blessing is to be received right here. And that love and blessing of his presence, of his word and his, his wisdom, that will lead you accurately and in peace and in the right timing into where you need to go. Romans 1, 18 through 23. Romans 1, 18 through 23. The wrath of God is being revealed. So God's got plenty of blessing and love. He's also got wrath. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Has anyone seen any truth suppression in their own heart or the hearts of others? Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it so plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men and women are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. This passage is so beautiful. Our invisible God made creation. And every single thing that he created bears witness and reveals a part of his invisible natures. If you really want to know what God's like, I used to always just go to the Bible, which is absolutely true. All scripture, God breathed, good for teaching. Memorize this thing. Memorize as much of this as you can get into your heart and head. It's awesome. But I didn't go to the zoo saying, oh, Holy Ghost, what about that ostrich? has a hidden quality of the invisible God that I haven't yet feasted on. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> when I play tennis, <laughs> the sound that's released from a ball when it bounces into my ear what invisible quality of the invisible immortal God do you want to speak into my ear when the physical sound comes in? And in this, sky's the limit. It's not the limit, actually. The third heaven's the limit. He's looking down through all the heavens and the skies to speak to you. And here's what's amazing about this. I want to say this very clearly. Whenever you hear or see something in the physical, 
the Lord is speaking and imparting something in the spirit. It can't be disconnected. When you're at the ocean and the waves are coming in, and he stitched your eyes, even your body, your ears, to hear and see the physical sounds. At that same moment, creation is speaking. And really, the creator is speaking. A revelation, an intimate exposure of the beauty of who he is and who we are in his heart. For your enjoyment, he says, for your enjoyment. Just want us to close our eyes right now. Just take a moment to close your eyes. We've spent much time looking and hearing with our body. God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit, surely in dying you will die. They didn't drop dead physically. Their bodies started to decay, yes. But the death that came into their spirits, the death that started to eke through their souls, the death that then started to manifest through their body was a death of the spiritual eyes, the spiritual ears. They were never meant to be separated. Death is only separation. So we declare right now, we declare where our physical eyes and our physical ears got separated from our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears. Wherever death came in, we agree right now and we declare we will see and hear and fully understand the cre uncreated one through creation. We just agree with that right now. Some of you, after this message, there's going to be some like practical application from the Holy Spirit. Please don't just hear this word and not go and do uh, something. Not just something, don't just run around trying to do something. I more mean um, water this word and unpack it. Because for me, I had uh, things that I had to repent for, lies that I had to break off, all things that the Holy Spirit had to show me. But what I believe the Lord's wanting to do is, as we're talking about this, he's creating such a hunger to know him and such a desire to experience him in every arena of our life and every second and moment of our life. And so if you find yourself feeling a hunger, but there's no place to get it fulfilled, take it to the Lord and say, God, what have I agreed with? What did my family line agree with? What are some ways of thinking that you want to unravel so that when I'm cleaning the toilet, <laughs> when I'm cooking food, when I'm doing anything, I can hear and experience what my uncreated father had in mind when he created everything that I'm interacting with. Here's my sense to close.
This might feel like a little bit of a different, uh, maybe even awkward for some people closing. Um, but God made silence. And what's interesting about silence, it's, it's never really silent. If we actually become silent as an assembly right now, you're going to hear all kinds of things. And that's kind of what this is about. God inviting certain parts of us to become more silent so that they'd be able to hear and experience much more of what he's speaking. And so what I want to invite us to do is I want us to just come into a place of just sitting and, and listening to the Lord. Whether you have a question to ask, maybe you just want to say thanks for today. Maybe your conversation is super short. Maybe now is the time for you to go. But I just want to encourage you, let's keep in, uh, you know, in this sanctuary, let's keep it as quiet as we can, as silent as we can. And then conversations can continue in the fellowship hall and hallway. But I just want to encourage us, we're literally going to end it now. But the ending looks like at least just take a few moments, a few minutes of just sitting in silence and just allowing yourself to open up to the uncreated one and allow him to rewrite your programming in a sense that the way you relate to everything else, listen, he's the only uncreated one. The way that you relate to everything else would begin to open up so that the one that you're really longing for would be able to pour through and around and in everything in such a way that you can receive it all the more. So blessings on your week.